recorded live. Scuba Obsessed's weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 110 was recorded live April 5th, 2012. Welcome back, everybody. Here's a few articles we're going to have in the news this week. We have, Where is Christ of the Abyss? Uh, Lake Clams Fights Begin and Titanic at 100. I'm Darren Jolson, and I'd like to introduce my co-host this week. We have, back from the depths, Jim Kleeman. How you doing today, Jim? I'm doing really good. Thanks, Darren. We also have Mac, our dive mentor. How you doing today, Mac? Glad to be here. And we also have the other Jim, Jim Schultz. How you doing today, Jim? I'm great. Glad to be with you guys. Wow, it's been a long time since we've had this many divers in the program all at once. And before we get to talking about what we're doing tonight, we're going to jump right on the news, get with that. The chat room is jumping tonight. They requested that we skip the news, but, you know, we just can't do that. You can't skip the news. Certain things you can't skip. So the first one up on the docket is we have Where in the Christ of the Abyss? And this is a follow-up, I believe, to an article we had before. Uh, Scuba diver Satanists who hacked the arms of the submerged statue Jesus Christ are being hunted by Italian police. The attack was carried out in the depth of 75 feet below the surface on the sea of the statue known as Christ of the Abyss. It was sent to the bottom of the Mediterranean by Pope John Paul II, December 2000, at a ceremony of the Italian Diving Association. It is a well-known landmark for the divers. Now, didn't we have a few weeks ago where the whole statue was missing? Do you remember that one, Mac? Yeah, but I'm trying to remember which statue it was. Oh, there's more than one? Yeah, it wasn't this one, obviously. Well, yeah, I was wondering how they could just cut the hands off of the statue if it was already missing, but it makes you wonder if they're related. I'm trying to remember. Not the statues, but the the attacks. I guess the statues could be related. Possibly. Now, is there not not a Christ of the Abyss uh, in the uh, Latin America or the Bahamas or Keys somewhere on our side of the world? I'm not sure. There's there's something up in Traverse City, isn't there? That I don't know. I thought Traverse City. Well, we'll if somebody in the chat room can look it up to let us know, we'll we'll jump to uh, the next article. You know, it's a shame that uh, they didn't report that next week. Why is that? We could have said he rose. Uh, okay. <laughs> if people are wondering well, why, not, you know, people are going to listen to this recording and wonder what that joke is about. Just take a look at the calendar. The, <laughs> it's all in the timing, guys. It's all in the timing. It's all in the timing. <laughs> Next one up is Lake Clams Fight Begins. This one is another follow-up from before. Scuba divers will plunge the chilly waters of Lake George this month to start a second year of campaign aimed at eradicating the invasive Asian clams that spread through the lake. If you remember, we talked about them before, putting a, a kind of a plastic mat down to see how it goes. And what they've researchers have found that few clams from under the mat that appeared neither alive nor dead, raising questions of the creatures may enter a kind of suspended animation in cooler water to avoid suffocation. This is not something we had seen before. We're hoping that in the survey by divers this spring, we'll find out what happened if those clams eventually died or were they able to recover. They were first found in Lake George in the fall 2010 and likely brought into the lake by unwitting boaters. They're dime-sized clams. They excrete nutrients that can fuel algae blooms. 
sharp edged clams can take uh, wash up the dead by thousands along the shorelines and make it risky to walk in bare feet. Divers are going to examine the lake bottom to determine how many clams may be present. Another round of diving will, will follow to install a 50-foot by 7-foot mat, which are held in place by steel bars, sandbags, to seal off the lake bottom of fresh oxygen. Uh, Boone Bay may receive as many as 600 mats. Uh, the work being done by the Lake George Asian Clam Rapid Response Task Force. Now, there's a mouthful. It includes the Darren Institute, no, no affiliation with me, uh, Fund for Lake George, the Lake George Park Commission, and the Anirondack Park Agency, the State Department of Environmental Conservation, and the Lake Champlain Basin Program. Last year's work cost $620,000, uh, and it covers about 15 acres. If untreated, this infestation has potential to grow dramatically. You know, I, I can appreciate the amount of work they're doing, but do we think they've got a chance of stopping this? Well, no, I'm wondering if they're coming to the right conclusion. They were, they were talking about the uh, five-acre patch, mm-hmm. and the item they're doing there has proved to be 99% effective in, sus- in suffocating the clams. I wonder if they're really suffocating them or they're starving them because they don't filter, not able to filter the nutrients from the water because it's prevented from that. And I like the other aspect where they talked about, though they killed a lot of them, they found the inactive clams. They talk about zombie-like clams. Did you see that part? Zombies? Zombies. No. Yeah, they're calling it zombie clams because they're inactive. They're not dead. They're not alive, but they label them as being inactive, and they're not quite sure if they will recover. Hmm. But it sounded like you starved them to death. It didn't sound like the O2 did it or the lack of oxygen. Well, then it makes you, like you said, the next question is, how long can they go being starved before they can essentially, going to the zombie theme, reanimate? Yeah. Killer zombies. Killer zombie clam. I was going to say, if they're talking $620,000 for 15 acres. Wow. Uh, that's going to be a little expensive, I think. Right. <laughs> a little more than I got in my pocketbook. Next one is Blind Airman Lives Underwater Adventure. Up in the air, Junior Birdman. Up in the air, off we go. <laughs> I think he's narc. Just, just pretend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like he needs to change his gas mix a little bit. This is a Blind Airman Lives Underwater Adventure. This is from Albuquerque. We have a Senior Airman Michael Mal... Oh my gosh. And my tradition of slaughtering names. Mal- Mallory's. Uh, he's nice gone Irish through. name. Pardon me? Nice Irish name. He had done classroom and pool sessions. He learned the important parts and how to assemble and operate them. You know, which tends to be important if you can't see. So he's he's learning how to do everything by sight. Not by sight. <laughs> by sight. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Not by sight. Sorry. Uh, so he's doing it by touch. Uh, he lost his vision in an IED in Afghanistan. It took months from the cover from the injuries and become mobile, uh, but has not stopped him from moving. He says, after everything that has happened, I told myself everything that I've ever wanted to do, every opportunity that has passed up because I was too busy, I had too many things going on, I'm going to do it. And he said, scuba diving is one of them. He's going through adaptive diver training, and a new set of scuba gear is being provided by Dive Pirates Foundation. The foundation selects several wounded veterans each year from across America to train and equip. Stacy Milton, a local Dive Pirates Foundation member and instructor at the New Mexico Scuba Center, feels that he is a natural diver. The first time we had him underwater, he was amazed at how easy Michael caught on. He, Michael said, uh, we're going diving, whatever you're in a chair, whatever you have an artificial limb, you're blind, let's go diving. This to me is abs- is amazing. Yeah, I, I know how much of a challenge it was for me to... Oh, hats to, off to the airman. Yeah, to, to learn diving. I, I, and and I how really, much... 
Go ahead. I was going to say, I really, uh, you know, honor the guy and admire him for doing what he's doing. But my question is why? I mean, other than saying you did it, you know, the reason I dive is to see what's there. Maybe he'll feel what's there. I don't know. Well, you you have to admit, though, Jim, There's your other senses are, are you're immersed. So the sight, you know, how what what's what about the sounds when you're at depths? What about the you know just the feeling of not having that pull of gravity acting on you the same way? Oh, I agree, totally agree. I mean, uh, it just you, you can pretty much get that in a pool or shallow though. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I certainly you know I'm not saying there's not a place for him. No, uh, no, it's just I what drives him to do it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's impressive that he can do it. Well, one one thing he says a little bit later on is he his forum scuba parting was scuba diving was part of getting back to normal. I imagine when you go through a traumatic event that you're just trying to get a sense of sanity in your life and and feel like you you used to feel. One of the main things that uh, is you're looking normal. You may not be able to reach the normal again, but you can reach a new normal. He said, "Life does go on. You can contribute to society and you can still accomplish things." So. Uh, I would imagine that part of it has to be regaining some confidence. Yeah, I can see where they would. I mean, it, it certainly would be a confidence builder to be able to do that and know you can uh, make your way and, and be self-sufficient. Right. Yeah, and it you know it, it really is, um, after what he's gone through, being able to do that and, uh, and experience that, that is just a great thing. I think he would be very comfortable following me on the bottom. Yeah, I think, Mac, you found mm-hmm. the one diver who won't complain. There he is, Mac's new dive partner. <laughs> you know the thing, though, you got to watch out. He might out. He might outgrub you. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Those mm. extra senses. Max up for a challenge. Yeah, I think we got a competition. <laughs> Bring him on. <laughs> <laughs> Two scuba divers uh, pulled to safety after floating for hours in St. Lucie County. Uh, I'm not. It's in the Atlantic, so anybody have any idea where St. Lucie is? I think uh, Ma- it's way Ma- down the coast a bit. Yeah, it says Mason Matthews and his scuba dive buddies Nick Allen floated in the Atlantic Ocean miles from shore for four hours Saturday evening, catching tantalizing glimpses of rescue boats and aircrafts that never quite saw them. Uh, until about near nearly 8:40 p.m., when St. Lucie County Sheriff's Department Deputy Tom Salvage spotted the divers through night vision goggles in the desk of a U- U.S. Coast Guard boat. Wow. I saw a hand pop up out of the wave. Minutes later, Matthews, 20, and Allen, 18, both of Fort Pierce, were pulled aboard the boat. They arrived at the Coast Guard Fort Pierce station, wrapped in blankets, walked up chewing, uh, to deck, deck, walked up to the dock. Have another one. Yeah, have another one. Uh, cheering family and friends who had feared they might not ever see him again. Seems like a good reason to have one of those Dan boys. Well, that's... that's yep. Exactly, and a and a uh, dive alert. Yeah, you know the the loud whistle that goes to your BC. Well, then this this almost you know, how many times during the day do we not take a dive light? You know, we can have a a daytime dive that can with situations similar to this turn into a nighttime dive with a light. I bet that cuts your search time quite a bit down. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's cool to have one of those new GPSs with the call on it too that you can call. Channel 16, or you hit the emergency button, and it'll give you a bounce out. Yeah, it automatically transmits pertinent information. Yep. Even better. Said Matthews and Allen were found drifting in the Gulf Stream about 10 miles northeast of the Fort Pierce Inlet. They were reported missing at 4.30 by six friends who were aboard the 23-foot boat. 
their location at the time was about 11 miles east of the Florida Power and Light nuclear plant on South Hutchins Island. Matthews said that he and Allen surfaced uh, from their dive only about 75 yards from the boat, but a strong current prevented from swimming back. You know, this could easily be us. Uh, they were caught in a current of five miles, quickly carried them north. Said Maybray said he piloted the boat in the current direction, a little inshore of the last known position, guessing the divers would have been kicking towards shore. So, yeah. Wow. Just reinforces all the value of uh, remaining visible. And having people know you're missing. Yeah. You know, right. <clears throat> One of the most basic things that we're taught is to uh, basically file a dive plan with somebody that's going to be on shore and responsible. And uh, probably a good way to go, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, and sticking with his buddy. I mean, this could have been a lot worse if the two had separated or just one of them had been mm-hmm. split up. Yeah. Well, in uh, uh, Lynch Diver in a chat room pasted an article where they're talking about a true story validation for the strobe mode, uh, You know, which kind of reminds me. We're going to get it a little bit later into the show. We'll talk about a dive we did last night, a night dive. And uh, one of the divers on that had that flashing light, and I kind of questioned the value of it. But in this situation, you couldn't beat it. You, if you did not, if you would not see a, a flashing strobe light, you just hadn't. Right. You weren't facing that direction. Right. There's no way to confuse a flashing strobe with uh, something else. So, so excellent point, Lynch diver. Uh, next article up is activity in N.J. Evans Park. And if if you hear me slapping myself, it's because the screen room that we're at is is being bombarded by noceums. By oh. I'm, I'm calling them noceums because I don't no see them. Just, the tiny, just be... tiny little ones that fly through the screen. Yes. Yeah. I either that or I'm so blind I can't see them. But they they do have they do a, do a little chunk. So this one's out of New York, Jim. That's uh, your old stomping grounds. Oh, that was New Jersey. Yeah, it was New Jersey. Newark, New Jersey. But, yeah, it's one of those new. It's one of those new states. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what they're doing is uh, the, they're debating a new uh, de- debuting a new quarry, North Point Dive Quarry. Divers are going to be able to explore the depth of 32 feet for several sunken boats, a couple dozen types of underwater creatures, including paddlefish. Uh, it's a public-private partnership with Discover Diving, a church street business, provides only outdoor scuba site in the area, according to Jan Slee, who owns Discover Scuba Diving with her husband, Don. She says, everything else is so far away and it's very beautiful. We have high hopes for making it very special. We've already been contacted by instructors in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, who want to bring students here. Their opening weekend will be July 21st and 22nd for scuba diving and snorkeling at $10 fee per diver per day. Public access has not been permitted to the area, to the north northernmost area of the park. Uh, north Point Quarry is the largest of five quarries at Evanson Park, which is created by years of digging rock, uh, gravel, and sand. Natural underground springs penetrate the nearby branch of the Licking River and fill the 21-acre wide quarry. We're creating from scratch a first-class diving operation. We've been working on it all over the year. We've created many major buzz in scuba diving world. It'll be a great source of revenue for department and our city. Nine boats donated to the city parks department were sunk in a quarry scattered through the bottom to add divers expansing and provide structures for small fish to hide. So, excellent. Another spot we've got that we can go and do some diving in. Always looking for a new spot. Never run out of them. We're going we're gonna to hit them all one at a time. See, if we, do, if we start doing that now... <laughs> and we do three per day. When I get to be 345, I'll have half of them done in and the Aaron, year. Dave, Dave from the uh, chat room saying that's his quarry. Is that your quarry? Uh, T.J. Evans Park. What? How did I not put two or two together? It's Newark, Ohio. Vacation. It's Newark, Ohio. Uh, watch cool. a chat room. Never, Dave. <laughs> you should. Everybody should know. Newark, Ohio. 
Hey, you've been invited for a live chat or chat podcast from there. You don't say. <laughs> I try not to. <laughs> I think that's an idea. Free well, time you know, now, now a, that a Dave says podcast. that, now that he says that, that makes sense. The the paddle fish and everything all coming together. Dave, is this the one that you were working so hard on um, towards the fall, mapping it and everything? Yeah, when when uh, Dave came to the turkey dive, uh, he had shown us some of the stuff. I think we ought to go on the road there and, and do a podcast from there. Yeah. Live interview with Dave. Yeah. So so what weekend is that? The July 21st. That sounds like a good weekend. Of course, if we put if we get like 4,000 divers in there, we'll like we'll like raise the water level. <laughs> There'll be a, a ring higher up, that's for sure. Dave says the mapping is done. So you're right, Jim, that was the the one that he showed. Cool. Oh, okay. Maybe maybe I'm just narked on on all the diving I did this week why I didn't pick up on that one or something or something <laughs> probably of the or something you have been rehydrating haven't you well I, I, certainly okay I mean that's what vacations for early and often is this early hydration or late hydration I, I I'm not sure continuing this one is out of Kankakee Park District's pirate ship doesn't go easy uh, they're having a hard time uh, taking a boat that was designed to float uh, aren't most of them. <laughs> What's that, Jim? Aren't most boats designed to float? <laughs> well, I've been talking. I'm right. Yeah, Jim, Jim, and I today were just talking about making a boat that wouldn't float. But uh, yeah, this uh, uh, Captain Roy Collins and his crew at the Kankakee Valley Park District Wednesday were attempting to sink the fiberglass cabin cruiser to depth of Bird Park Quarry. The boat, dressed in old barn boards, resembled a pirate ship, and flying the Jolly Roger was lifted over the quarry south fence. At 10 a.m., by a crane operated by Richard Douglas, who owns the Douglas Crane Service, and a KVPD board member in the 1990s, also volunteered services. You, you know, you, you made a comment in there, and I think, or part of what you read, I think explains why they can't even sink a ship. You said it was a park board, as in a government entity? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I did that say explains, that. That explains why they can't even sink a ship. <laughs> yeah. Well, you think about it, like like they pointed out in the beginning, the vessel's already buoyant, and then you go and add a bunch of boards onto the outside of it, and we, oh, I'm sorry, I've been ignoring the chat room tonight too much. I haven't even pasted in any of these articles, so here we go, chat room. Where's my manners? So you well, want to benefit that? I give you an update. They actually did get it sunk today by at 3:30 this afternoon, and they talked about it two days chainsaw alterations and five John Boat loads of rock and concrete to get it on the bottom. Yep, yep. I've got that same article. So they, they had to load the thing up with gravel and rock. How many government employees does it take to sink a ship? <laughs> yep, they were using speaking, chain. Speaking of that, I saw an article on the news tonight that mystery fishing vessel from uh, Japan that's been drifted all the way over to the west coast of Canada. Yes. The Coast Guard fired on it today to sink it so because they declared it a navigational hazard. But wait, don't you have to go and clean all the hazardous material off before it can be sunk? Not if only you're the if Coast Guard. You, only if you want to sink it. I guess it depends on how big of a navigational hazard it is. Could they at least sink it in a spot where recreational divers could get to it? Probably not. <laughs> no, they just sunk it where it was, I'm sure. Used it for target practice. Where's your YouTube video on that one? Yeah. I would like to have watched uh, it. Might show up. But back to the pirate ship uh, was chainsaws for the alterations, five John boats with rocks and concrete. Uh, they're going to open the, st- the facilities May 5th with free hot dogs, chips, and drinks. Free hot dogs? 
Yeah. <laughs> now you're talking. Yeah. yeah you got to put the right terms. Is that what's that Ohio? What's that quarry in Ohio doing? They offering hot dogs? Fried paddlefish. Oh, you can buy hot dogs pretty cheap, you know, for gas. I don't know. <laughs> we'll trade hot dogs for carpool. Prime rib sounds good. Oh, don't even get me going on food. And then at a hundred, the Titanic. There's discussions on to preserve the wreck or let it go. Let it go. Celebrated, investigated, and some extent savage, savaged. <laughs> Nothing like savaging a wreck. Salvage. The storied wreck of the unsinkable Titanic rests two and a half miles in the Atlantic. Two and a half miles down, not more than two and a half miles out. Uh, 1,500 men, women, and children died on it, as, as we're aware of, and, and all the shows that have been broadcast on the Titanic. As the 100th anniversary approaches, which is April 15th, uh, it went down on April 15th, two, uh, 1912. The U.S. officials and exports are pushing for decision on what the future of the world's most famous shipwreck should have. Should it be preserved? If so, what is the best way of assuring its legacy? Uh, Chief archaeologist James Delegato, the Titanic is a wreck that the ocean cannot leave alone. We can't raise her, we can't keep her forever as she is now, but we can celebrate her and let her story be told to future generations. Uh, in 1985, uh, oceanographer Ballard, who was with the Woods Hole Institute at the time, uh, discovered the shipwreck. They deployed sonar to track the field of debris uh, behind of 882-foot-long liner with sank, ripping half of the seafloor, discovered started a quarter century of international negotiations. Courtroom fights and movie-making stardom for the ship, the Titanic. There's probably more history in the ocean than in all the museums in the world combined, uh, Ballard said. Last August, uh, U.S. District Court Judge Rebecca Beach-Smith awarded the ex, uh, the film rights to the 5,000 artifacts salvaged from the wreck site in six expeditions since 1993. The court's caveat was that the items had to be put up for auction in one lot. Many of the artifacts have been exhibited in traveling showrooms. They range from jewelry to jackets to an 18-ton piece of hull that is now prominently displayed in Luxor Hotel in Las Vegas. And then it goes on and on. What I thought was interesting is uh, later on they're talking about some of the things to do to preserve it. I think Ballard at one point talked about uh, painting the bottom with rust fouling paint. Uh, they were saying that uh, the parts of the wreck that are uh, holding on okay uh, have the fouling paint from when they originally launched the vessel. Uh, they're also talking about ways to uh, kill the bacteria. Uh, they're requesting that the ships, the tourist ships, stop dropping debris, uh, which they say might be feeding the algae, not algae, the bacteria. Can you realistically feel they're gonna? There's absolutely any economic incentive to try to preserve that at that far down with that many items. I'm like, who's visiting it? Do it with a camera. I, I just don't understand the attraction of spend money, spend money on something that's worthless. Mac, how can you so not care about wreck. this issue? Say again. How can you not care about this? It's it's kind of kind of insane though, isn't it? If you look at it that could, way, could you spend a half a billion dollars on repainting a shipwreck? It's a hundred years old. If you're going to do the, that, the you might as well just here, recover more artifacts. You know, it's a time capsule again. Every freaking garbage dump in this country is a time capsule. Where do you stop? Uh, do it for the there children, is one company that owns the, uh, owns <laughs> the rights again? to the Titanic. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> we, we 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 could, you know, what what's poverty and and starvation when we could paint a wreck. <laughs> uh, 
Okay. Yeah, or, or do something that's like in 150 foot of water for divers. Okay. Well, now you're talking. <laughs> well, there no expense yeah. for that. Yeah, that that is a little deep for you to be grubbing. Uh, and this one, uh, thank, thanks, Jim, for sending this one on. Coloma Museum. This is an incredibly local news, which we don't get an opportunity too often to cover. Uh, the chat room says we have uh, somebody in there from Brazil. Uh, they said it's a distance record, but I think Australia is a... Uh, that was a little farther away, but we appreciate uh, having listeners from Brazil come on in. Uh, Colombia Museum is to recall burying shipwrecks. Uh, between 1835 and 1902, at least 41 ships sunk or smashed in the shores of southwest Michigan, claiming at least 95 lives. The exhibit opens next month in the Northern Burial Burial <laughs> Northern Burial Historical Museum in Coloma not only maps out Lake Michigan shipwreck sites in Berrien County, but also takes a close look to the era's shipping industry. Chicago routes from St. Joe to Benton Harbor, Chicago, and Milwaukee were vital to the development of Berrien County, Michigan. So as you heard us talking about the wrecks that we dive on, that's that's what uh, contributed to them was just that shipping route. So if you happen to be in the area... Is, now, now, Jim, is this going to be a, a exhibit for quite a while coming up? I think they're going to have it there for at least a year. Uh, and there is, they are doing a, you know, they did mention Max Rec in there, uh, and they're referencing it to possibly being the farmer, which it's possible, but we haven't gotten to the point that we're willing to uh, make that claim yet. But so, yeah, be interesting to get over there and see it. Okay. It's not, it's not too bad. I was there uh, Wednesday, and they've got the back section. Uh, they've got a video set up for five different wrecks, including Max Rec, um, and it has the, uh, Lake profile with approximate locations of the wrecks down the coastline because it looks very intense that way. I don't think the uh, little indicator for the Chikora is in the right spot, but I'll just let that slide for now. Well, we just got to find it and then show them where it is. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? Right well, right well, that exhibit's still going on. So say it does go for a year. Are you guys going to be back next week? Yes. Okay. On Thursday, that's when they're going to have the uh, opening, 5.30 to 7.30. Valerie will be there about 6 o'clock. I'm sure there'll be some kind of free food as a draw. Oh, Mac, well, you were there this we're week. We're there for free food. You were there this week, weren't you, Mac? Well, yeah, we got pizza this time, so I know I'll have food next week, too. <laughs> Always showing up for the free stuff. Absolutely. So they had uh, Va- Valerie was the guest curator for this. Well, actually, Valerie is uh, part of an organization that does that kind of stuff now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do show cases with the nautical venue. Uh, so her company was doing that as opposed to being part of uh, MSRA and all of that. This uh-huh. is a separate item. Really? Yeah. And Valerie had come down a month or two ago and did another presentation on uh, an interesting wreck. And next month they'll have another one on the uh, survivors of the Titanic with connections to those in Dwajak and Coloma area. Should be interesting. Yeah. And we, we're approaching our final article for this evening, and I can't get it to come up. Uh, you guys get it? Eastern Ontario leads Canadian war for the 1812. It doesn't want to come up. No, no. Okay, no. it just came up. Oh, it came up for you? I'm just Well, the screen did, but I can't find anything about the ships. No. Somehow they, they linked it to the home article. Well, that tells you how not to make a website. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so by popular demand, we can say we cut it early. So that that does it for this week's Scuba News. Woo-hoo. 
Yeah. So so before Good, we uh, about diving now. Double talk about diving, well, that's the best part anyway. Florida. Yeah. Now, b- before we talk about our diving, uh, maybe we can warm up with some cold water diving. Do you guys get anything in this week? Nary a dive. I did play with a lot. We did have a program, though, at the museum there, and we had an opportunity to work with some children, which was actually great fun. And I think we had 120-plus go to our stations for dress them and dive gear. So you dressed the kids in dive gear, you said? Yeah, I, I went down. We got a lot of different fins and masks, different vests, BCs. And then when they'd rotate through and we had some of those. You've seen those scuba tanks on the wall, the plastic ones, that yellow one of wolves? Yeah. I took that home and repaired that so it fit, fit the small kids really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just ate it up. Some of the pictures are going to be really neat. Nice. So, but, so, uh, they, so they really enjoyed talking about seen scuba diving then yeah well jake thar went with us uh ed and my wife uh we went ahead and put up six tables of display material and that included uh dry suits wetsuits different mask and headgear um we had our new lcd screen that we purchased for the club and put slides up for that we had a slide presentation going on the wall of the local wrecks and Mm -hmm. uh, we had some bottles artifacts from pawpaw lake and then we had a whole section for the kids to come over and anything they wanted to play with, pull on, take off, whatever, they did. It was great. Excellent. So about how many kids would you say uh, were there? Well, like I said, we had over about 120 go to our station. It's a good turnout. I had to take ibuprofen when I got home and this morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's see. Where, where should we start? Uh, Jim and I and Josh, Jim's son, uh, we went diving. Let's see. Our first dive was, what, it was Monday morning? Seems like so long ago. Mm, yeah. So what? what what uh, park was that that we went to? Uh, we went to Manatee Springs State Park. So Manatee Springs. Was that the green uh, And then, pardon me? Was that the green water pond? Yeah, well, it wasn't green water, but there was. it looked like it in that photo. If you if you follow it me sure on Twitter did. or Facebook. He was excited to get into that, uh, into that catfish hotel is what it's really called. He, but, was, he was less than impressed looking at it from the top. Yeah, you, you, th- you, you drive for 20-some hours, and then you go to the edge and you look down and you're like, oh, there we go. There's there's a little bit of green. And there's like a little path, like maybe three foot diameter in the middle of this hole that you could actually see open exposed water without green on it. Gosh, I mean, the weather down here has been nice. It was 80 degrees Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. sunny day, uh, loading up our gear in the parking lot and then working our way over to the rinse stations. And I had to cool off. There was no way I was going to make it. Yeah, it, was, we, it got a little bit steamy when you were geared up. Yep. So then we went down the steps and into the the hole. That's what it looked like, a hole. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing. I, I, I learned that it's possible to actually swim in, in warm water. Like Dave in the chat room pointed out, it's like just like taking a bath. So I, I guess since I don't, you know, the only difference is that you could actually go down the drain in, in some of these <laughs> yes, you could have. Yeah, but uh, that that was that was nice. It, my my first impression was that it was going to be like, uh, you know, it felt like diving in a fish tank. Mm-hmm. You could still see the water. You know, I was kind of dreaming that it would be like floating, but you can still see the water. Absolutely amazing. I mean, just just cool. Being able to see the other side of the yeah. of the uh, the spring was pretty nice, and then uh, the flow of the water down at the uh, the inlet was pretty mm-hmm. impressive, and the the outflow. Yeah. Well, and then also something that's that I I thought was interesting is how how much easier buoyancy control 
seems to be when you've got that sort of visibility. <laughs> when you can use your vision as a... Well, yeah, you can use your vision as age, because there's an age, as an aid. You know, there's times where we've got just so low vis, and you're trying to get cues. And there'll be times when you see the, when you, when you get up to, like, say we're diving in a wreck, and you got really poor vision, and you get to the anchor line, and then you notice the anchor line is kind of whizzing by, and then you go, oh, I'm a, I'm a little heavier, I'm a little light. But when you got yeah. excellent viz like that, it is so much easier to keep buoyant. But uh, so we, so we did that one, and then at the same park we did a a second dive a little bit shallower. Right. Uh, and what and what was that one called? You know what? I don't know what that's called, but that that spring is at the exhaust or the outlet from the Catfish Hotel. So if we um, had been CABE certified and gone through, mm-hmm. we would have been able to uh, travel that channel and go into the next spring where we had jumped in. Yeah. Uh, and the, so the the inflow from that one uh, at the very bottom was actually coming from the first spring that we were in. Yeah. What kind of depth did you have in your first and second dive? I want to say, what do we have, 60 feet maybe? First, wow, first dive was no more than 60 feet, 64 yeah. feet. Second yeah. dive was shallow, shallow. Like 17 maybe, feet maybe? 20, maybe 20. Yeah. Right. But the interesting thing in that second dive is you could actually swim up to the outflow, you know, it. I don't know, you call it outflow, outflow from the underground river or spring, mm-hmm. the that you know, fed that river. That fed that river. Right. And you could not, uh, you, you couldn't swim. You could only get so far, and you were, you were being stationary. You couldn't get into the mouth of it. Yeah. It's a really neat one to take a look at some of the different uh, different wildlife in there. There's uh, there's all sorts of stuff. Uh, snakes. There's uh, freshwater flounder. There's, uh, uh, what else was in there? Bass. There's, well, uh, even the algae I thought was interesting. They had mm-hmm. a little bit of algae in the bottom. And it's not like the algae we have in, in the Midwest. <laughs> Where it's just that slimy, snotty, green or brown. Right. This was like cotton candy or fiberglass. It was yeah. just kind of puffy and hanging onto the rock. Uh, and then we were part of an exhibit, I, I guess you would say, because there's a lot of snorkelers. Sure. Tons, tons of snorkelers on the surface. All these kids uh, looking down. And it's like every time you came up, they wanted to chat with you. And uh-huh. what are you doing? And what's your stuff? And what do you see? And Kind of a community outreach yeah, program. And, and, and I, di- I did uh, do a little muck diving. I couldn't I couldn't restrain myself. Oh, so, you mucked uh, it up? You did a mac? Well, I didn't muck it up, but oh. I did find some trash. And then Jim was doing a mac, actually. He seeded it for me. He found a, a dime in the bottom, and he stuck it in the log. And then I came and thought I discovered it, just like when I'm following oh. that. <laughs> Yeah, so that was that one, and uh, we hung out there and uh, finished up there. That was a pretty good dive, kind of just get our feet wet, so to speak. Uh, all all pretty easy dives, you know, very much beginner dives, but uh, a fresh change from what we were used to up in Michigan, for sure. Yeah, and then uh, Tuesday was a non-diving day, but we did, uh, between Monday and Tuesday, hit a few dive shops. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hit Birds Unlimited. Birds Underwater. Birds or bird, Birds Underwater. Yep. And uh, what one thing we we learned from there, we're in the store and we can hear people asking, and uh, you know it must, it must take a little bit of extra effort to work in a tourist resort, in a dive shop because you can I'm sure these answers are given out about four thousand times, so they had this family from uh, some foreign location insisting that they wanted to go out for an afternoon manatee dive, and listening to them try and explain why you didn't want to do a manatee dive in the afternoon. I guess by no means an expert, but I guess what's going on is these manatees come up the springs because they're trying to keep warm. Uh, so when you get these cold snaps or a winter, they're in the springs and they're pretty thick. And then as the season warms up, they they spend more time out to the point where they're almost not in the river at all. Yeah. So that kind of ends the manatee dive season. And 
and in the United States this year, we've had just an abnormally warm spring, and it's really cut down the manatee viewing opportunities. They, they were saying in the shop that by this time of the year, you're still getting some manatee traffic because you usually have a couple cold snaps, so you can get lucky, but you know, no, no chance this year. They're just not in there. So uh, they, they did an excellent job of uh, trying to set expectations for people. If you're planning a trip in the area and you hope to see manatees, you want to be in contact with your dive shops or right. snorkeling operators to let you know if it's when is going to be a good time, what you can expect to see. Also, the time to get there. That was another thing that we, we noticed some of the tourists. You know, they wanted to get up, have breakfast, mosey around a little bit, and get there. And you want to be the first ones on the spot early in the morning if you really want to see the manatees. Yeah, the moral of the story is definitely stay in touch with your uh, your operator. And um, they, they're they the professionals in the area, and they'll help you out. And they've got a vested interest in making sure that your your success uh, you've got a successful visit. Um, so they're going to do everything they can uh, for you, whether the uh, manatee traffic is uh, high or low. Yeah. And then the next shop, what, what was that one that we saw, second one? We visited American Pro. American Pro. Both of these shops, Mac, I took some photos for you. So uh, <laughs> when we get back, we'll do a little slideshow so you can see them. But American Pro, I thought, was an amazing dive shop, just everything that they had in the shop. They had a deep water pool right there on premises, so you can do all your confined water training right there. You know, nice selection of, of products. Definitely, I you know I didn't see any dry suits. I, I do have to say there wasn't, <laughs> you know, dry suits didn't seem to be uh, in high demand. They and did it, have a Mark V. Uh, yeah, they did have a Mark V there, Mac. Excellent. So they had a Mark V right when you came in the door. Yeah, if you're in the area, I would recommend, I mean, if you're a diver, you want to hit both of these shops and check them out. Mm, absolutely. Ex- ex- excellent dive shops. Then, was it yesterday? This, it's, it's hard. This week just is flying by. So yesterday, Wednesday. Oh, wait. But, you know, every time you go, you've got a, a moral to a story. Uh, if you're going to go on a trip and you're going to take your gear with you, uh, check the viz on your tanks. <laughs> um, you know, uh, don't find out that you showed up with uh, two tanks that are out of viz so that they've got to be done on site. Uh, everybody was very accommodating and got them right in, got them right out. But, uh, you know, just plan ahead. <laughs> yeah. You mean your crayon washed off? The uh, crayon. Yes. Yeah. They, they didn't go for the the Viz 2012 date on it in crayon. No, they, right. they rubbed that away and then saw the, was that 2008 on it? Uh, no, one was done in 2000 and, oh my gosh. I don't know. <laughs> well, quite well. <laughs> it could be incriminating. They, they were in hydro though, weren't they? They, were, hydro. they are in hydro. They were in hydro. That's yeah, good. it wasn't, yeah, in hydro, yeah, hydro is a, like a, just rent me some tanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A Viz, they can do. But if you need a Viz, should give a dive shop some time to do it but they did it while i waited yeah yeah excellent yeah so, so anyway back to the yeah back, back. To the so so now we're to wednesday and wednesday was driving and diving drive and dive so uh our first stop is we traveled a little bit north of where we've been we were staying and we're staying in crystal river we traveled a little bit north a little over an hour and we went to devil's den right and uh devil's den we thought i it's it's amazing. I, I got to get some photos up. It's probably going to wait till we get back in Michigan, and I can post them on the Mud Club site. Uh, but just it, just imagine a sinkhole that collapsed and filled with water, and that's what it is. So you've got all that material that collapsed from the roof down in the bottom. So you've got this kind of mound pyramid of material in the middle mm-hmm. with diving all on it. Yep. I'm assuming it's the owner. I don't know if it's the owner or just somebody who worked there. Very friendly. You know, they checked us in. They gave us the pre-dive briefing. He wasn't a diver, so that that was unfortunate. I mean, maybe right. we need to talk him into right. being a diver. But 
uh, he, he ran the concession there, uh, Devil's Den. And uh, you have to walk down some steps. But I have to say the steps walking wasn't really that bad. Not a not no, a huge long step. No. And, and it kind of reminded me of when we, we saw the Utah crater. Is it a crater? Is that a crater? The, the Utah. Uh, that hot water spring? That hot water spring. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me of the photos you see with that. So you, you go through there because they've. There's a, it's the open top, so you can see light coming down. But the way to get there is look like somebody at some point in time had had drilled into the walls, so, right. so you've got these steps. And you do not want to be a really wide guy because it's not <laughs> that wide. No, there's not room no, vertically you, or, I, or. I was able to fit wise. through. I mean, if I could fit through, most people can fit through. But you wouldn't want to be a really big person, or you and or you might need to ferry your gear down. We wore our gear down. We were ready to go. Right. So you go, you, you basically, you take a, a, a tour of the place and you look and there's a sinkhole um, that you can walk around and look down in and see the water, but you don't appreciate it until you uh, you come around in the, the entrance hole uh, that goes down into the dark and then down into the uh, the spring or the devil's den. And uh, you're, you're looking in your, this circular cavern, basically, with a skylight, thousands and thousands of boulders and things to swim around through over and under um, all 72 degrees all really good visibility a lot of fun it was and and they they made a point of saying go clockwise and then after you've gone clockwise go counterclockwise around the cavern and it's a completely different dot so we did the clockwise first and this is this is absolutely amazing this to me like the others you kind of had you know the, the the dives we did on monday you were kind of in a cavern but it was still felt a lot like open water I mean, you could turn at all times and easily see the surface and the sunlight and everything. So it's more, I mean, we could, in Lake Michigan, seems more like a cavern dive sometimes right. than oh, yeah, what, yeah. what that one was. But Devil's Dead, you could, you were swimming, even though you don't have to be cave certified to do that dive. There were times where you were swimming in cracks and crevices and you felt like you were actually in a cave. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and appreciation for what Yeah, and you would have to be careful. I mean, you can't like instantly pop to the surface because there's going to be spots where you've got stuff over your head, but you're only within, you know, five feet forward or five feet back and you're into clear water again. But just it, I think if it's, if you want to know if you're interested in doing a cave diving for certification, it's an excellent spot to go and try it out. Because if you're worried about going down to Florida and spending a thousand dollars to get cave certified, not liking it, those are, this is a dive that I would recommend somebody do is that Devil's Den. And if you like that, then maybe that's a, an area that you want to pursue. And so we did clockwise, and then we came and we did counterclockwise, and it was he's right. It was a completely different dive. In fact, stuff that we had squeezed through the first time going clockwise, we didn't even dare attempt going counterclockwise. Now, you know, it's like, when, when, it's like a funnel because you get into a spot, and you kept going. It's getting narrower. It's getting narrower. And then you'd kind of blip through, and then you'd be out in the opening. So the, the fact that you could see where you were, when it got narrow, you could see that there was light, so that encouraged you to go through it. Where the other way, it was kind of like the opposite end of the funnel, right. as you're going counterclockwise, and it's like, that's dark, there's no way I'm going in there. Right, yeah, there and, was a couple of times. Where and you could take, uh, in Devil's Den, you could take lights, they allowed lights in it. Right. They've got the entrances and exits to Devil's Den are, uh, have got grates or bars, it's basically like a scaffolding material, right. uh, clamped together yeah to, to make an obstruction so that you would have to intentionally go back into one of the the dead end runs or a spring feed or i don't know which those are but uh they've mm-hmm. got them blocked off for safety but you know you've still got to keep your head about you because you can get into some spots where 
um, it gets too narrow where you can't back out or, or it isn't truly a swim through. Um, and it can get dark in there as we kind of went in and experimented uh, just to see how dark it got. It's uh, pretty impressive. So that was that was Devil's Den. So we did essentially drained one tank. Uh, you could call that two dives, but yeah. that was that was one tank. Uh, and then when we got out, and then we're cleaning off. There's there's other divers there. They have a nice area to set up. They have uh, mm-hmm. uh, spots where you can. I mean, they Air have nice fills, concessions, yeah. picnic yeah. tables. Yeah, they filled air, and that's. Uh, I would think that everybody who runs air for a dive shop should take lessons from these people we got air from while we've been in Florida. Mm-hmm. They know how to fill your tank without getting hot and getting you right at the rated value for your tank. And some of them do have it banked at, you know, 3,000 pounds, but most of them have it 3,000 pounds. They're doing pre-mixed nitrox. They even have high high pressure uh, fills. So, uh, but yeah, they, we got our tank filled at Devil's Den. They did an excellent job. And then we went to the next spot, which our next spot, uh, let me see what that was. The next spot was Ginny. Uh, was it Ginny? I think we drove to Ginny uh, Springs from there. Yeah, right. Yep, we did do Ginny. So then uh, we went to Ginny Springs and uh, went in there. Now, this is Ginny Springs. is is They've got uh, regular open water divers like we are, you know, advanced open water and open water. And you can go and do a couple more caverns. But if you're serious, like you really want the cave diving, that's where a lot of cave divers will train is at Jenny. And that one, they don't let you take dive lights. Right. You can't, you can't, oh, well, the, well, actually the first spring, which is Jenny spring, the ballroom, which that one they've got grates off. So you can't get in spots uh, where you need to be cave certified. But that's a deep. That's the one that's got the sign that says go past here and you might die. Uh, no, that's in another spot. <laughs> but yes, we saw a couple of those this week yeah. or this week. Yeah, we, uh, this one is is blocked off, um, and anybody that gets in the area has got an opportunity to uh, to see that ballroom. Um, Darren was talking about the water quality at Catfish Hole. You could still see the water. The ballroom was a little different in that you you felt it was the clearest water that I've ever seen. You've got yeah. uh, all the way I, one side of the cavern. I, I love Ginny Springs. I was in the cavern one time. Yeah. I dove it once, and that's where I did the night dive. Oh yeah. Uh, was down inside the cavern uh, with my partner standing by on the shore for me, and there was not another soul around in that place. It was beautiful. What the like Jim said, the water was amazingly clear. I, I it, it it you couldn't even see the water to me. Right. It was just that was and and we're used to diving in lakes where you kick the bottom and it's fine silt and it stays right. and you can visibly lower the quality. Of the yeah, you've messed it up, and then and it might if you wait around for thirty minutes, it may begin to clear up, but you never quite get it to that first right. virgin dive of the day, where in these caves where you've got this flow of water constantly cleaning a gravel or sand or or whatever's in the bottom. Some some of these caves had seashells. Right. Uh, you kick it up, yeah, you can silt it up and lose this, but you know. For a, for a Michigan River diver, yep. I mean their their worst viz is like the best viz right. for us. I mean it was absolutely amazing. So we we dove we dove around in that, and you went in deep. I was surprised how deep you got to go in Jenny, mm-hmm. because you started in the surface, you went down, and it almost looked like two eyes. Didn't look like much when you first no. looked at it. No, you didn't look at it, and you're like, well, crap, you know, because because each of these spots you you pay money to get in. So right. in the back of your mind, if you haven't dove them before, you're like, is this worth it? Because by that time, Jenny. 
is about two hours north to where we were staying. Mm-hmm. So you get in there and you pay the fee, and they they make you watch a video before you get to go in. Nice facilities too, by the way. If you're, yeah, you're, yeah, very coming to the area. Very well done. Uh, you know, always buy gear at your local dive shops. But if you did have something that you missed, you could actually go and and buy it there at at right. Jenny Springs. They had a uh, quite a concession. I mean, up to up to tech gear, you know, cave diving gear and stuff. Mm-hmm. You could get there. But anyway, you saw these like look at like two eyes, and they look at tiny little slivers, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, what do we pay for? You're right. And then you went down into it, and it just opened up. And the, it keeped open and opened up further. The, the and clear, further. the absolutely the clearest water. I I don't think I think that's about as clear of water as that you can dive in. I I don't I it think if you clear. you know like dive a water tower. I don't I don't think a water <laughs> tower would be that clear. So absolutely amazing. And then as we're where we we did our thing and uh went down and we started coming back out. We're down there about 25 minutes I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, 25 minutes. Around. And then as you're coming out and you can see cuz we, well this one was I think the first cave where you could actually turn out your lights and it was pitch black. Yeah. On that one. Yeah. That, because they, they do have a they do have a permanent line right. going from the front of the cave to the back of the cave yeah. so you can find your way out. So you're within probably 25 30 feet of the line anytime in there. So we we came back out, and as you look up to the surface, you could see the light dancing. I, this is what we wished. Next time we have to have a video camera, because right. that would be a promo video for why do you dive? Because yep. the light dancing through there, uh, shining on the white bottom, and then you could see the <laughs> not to be confused with white bottoms. And that was another story we heard, but maybe that's oh yeah, for the, the after show. that's for the after show. Yeah, the people talking about seeing white bottoms. But uh, came came out of that cave, and then we went down to was it Devil's Ear and Devil's Eye? Mm-hmm. Two more little springs. Two more little springs. Now those you couldn't, you know, being open water certified. No lights. No lights. You could you could take in there, uh, and definitely without lights, you're not going to try anything. It's uh, no. again very clear. Uh, you go down, and that just looked like a crack in the floor mm-hmm. uh, of this uh, river. And we went down. Gosh, would that go down maybe 20, 30 feet? Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of go up a little bit. And we're think and, and we had talked about before they up at the they had talked about that these connect and we're trying to remember well if you can see light on the other side can you just swim through and there was no seeing light on the other no. side so we came back up and then we kind of did a little drift dive down to from Devil's Eye to Devil's Ear I think it was or mm-hmm. vice versa and then there was another one and that one had some actual technical cave divers in there at the bottom right there was a line tied off and they've been gone in there yeah um, so. You know, it's one of those, I think, you've got to do it once, but I don't know if that would be one that I would necessarily do again unless I was going to become cave certified. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, if you I want think to show, I would go back just because of the, the beauty of that uh, the ballroom and, and coming back out into the, the open. Um, yeah. Pretty impressive. Now, if you've got family and they're going down with you, yes. you have non-divers, Jenny is the one to do because that had plenty of snorkeling opportunities. Floating down the river in tubes. Yep, they had tubing, uh, and we didn't hit all the spots because we we could have done probably a dozen. And we could have went out in the river. Right, they had they had river drift diving. We could have done. Jenny is really nice. I like that one. Yeah. So that, that the, when you were down at the bottom of the ballroom, did you look back and could you see the devil's eye kind of looking at you? Yeah. Well, when we at the bottom of the ballroom, we couldn't. But as you started working our way back up, yeah. that's you yeah. could, and that's when we—that's when you could see that shaft of light. We must have been just yep. the right time of day, you know, kind of like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where yes. the 
the the light hits and it's points. Uh, so yeah, you, you, yeah, you could. That was. It, it's really neat at night too because they've got that street lamp that kind of lights up the outer pool and it just kind of glows coming down in there. Yeah, and that you know the outer pool that you're mentioning that uh, has got the same water quality that you see down inside the cavern, uh, even though there's yeah. swimmers stirring it up. But it just, um, you know, from where we come from, where the water's dark and cold, to be able to see it look literally like it's treated water from a swimming pool. Um, uh, it's very impressive, and it, it opens up too. It makes you understand why uh, people from down here are so protective of their spring water, uh, because that's their source. Um, you know, and you can you can see how water quality is uh, so important to that. And I didn't even pee in my wetsuit either. Uh, out of respect. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they don't they don't need to be drinking that. Right. Um, but the water levels are down a couple of feet. Um, when Josh and I had been at uh, Devil's Den a couple of years ago, the water actually came up to the bottom of the platforms that they would have you uh, uh, prep on. Um, but now they are, what, three feet down? That's there. what they were saying, three feet down. Uh, the water from this system, which goes through both, uh, I believe, Jenny and Devil's Den, is coming from the uh, an aquifer in Georgia. And they say that just depending on time of the year and water usage and everything up, up that way, will affect how much flow they have down, and it eventually empties into the Rainbow River. Uh, so that was uh, the two locations earlier in the day, and then we had booked with one of the dive shops uh, a night dive. Mm-hmm. And originally, when we went to the dive shop, we were talking about doing, uh, we just wanted to get up on one of the rivers and just see what was in the river. Do you a know. drift down. Rainbow. Yeah, do it. Do a I'd drift done down. That one before. Yeah. So we went in there, and you know, of course, we're not giving them a bunch of notice. We didn't book these before we went. So we're in the dive shop and just asking them, you know, what kind of time notice they have, and there be anything this week. Uh, and that was was that Monday or Tuesday? Tuesday, I think. Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. So we're hoping for one one of those nights, and they said, well, we can't do it uh, Tuesday night, but we can do it Wednesday night. So we're like, that that sounded fine. So we we booked it. Jim ended up renting a dive light for his son. Mm-hmm. So he had he had an extra dive light, uh, and they, they were going to get us back the information. So we left the number with the dive shop. Uh, they called us and they said, "Okay, we'll meet us at the dive shop at 7:30." So we drive out to the dive shop. Uh, they give us the little directions, which was convenient from their dive shop to where they're going to go launch the boat. Mm-hmm. They launched the boat at Pete's Pier. Yep. And uh, what what river is that or bay? It was Kings Bay. We we ended up going into King Spring. Um, we were going to go down river, and we got there. And I'm talking to the dive master, and he's uh, no <laughs> changing plans, uh, which was fine. It, it turned out I was I was kind of set for the disappointment. But it uh, it really proved to be uh, a great dive, and you know um, my son came away from it saying it was uh, his best dive yet. So th- that was priceless right there for me. Yeah, it was. Uh, they got the boat in the water. Uh, we had three students who were going through their advanced open water class. So in the pre-dive briefing, or as we're getting on the boat and they're explaining everything, he's he's mentioning, well, I've got these these three advanced open water divers. They're going to do their one of their electives, which is a night dive, and the other one was a navigation course. And he says, you know, I'm going to do, we're going to go down, and he's describing this cavern, mm-hmm. which it's in the river. If you, I want to know who or how they discovered this, because <laughs> you're just motoring. You know how we motor in the St. Joe River, and we're doing no-wake speeds. That's what they're doing on the boat. You're trying to go quick enough to where the no seams and bugs aren't going to eat you alive. Which were horrible last night. Yep. And you're going down there, and everybody's getting ready, and he's talking about different stuff, trying to keep you entertained until you get there. And then there's like this sandbar shoal-looking thing in the middle of the river. He says, well, I'm going to tie up here so you guys can do a giant stride in. And then you're going to go, 
there's like a they have this buoyed waterway, and you go to it, and eventually gets to this point point where you're standing on a rock and it's only like three feet deep. Right. And then there's a buoy marking the entrance down into this cavern. So uh, he he said everybody go down. He says okay, it's going to be a little bit green at the surface, but go down. It's really going to get clear. And when we look down into that water, we're thinking, what the heck? We could have done this at home. Right. Because it was it was pretty you know maybe four feet vis at best. Uh, but we went down the rope just like going down an anchor line, and then he was he was right. Well, as soon as you get through that, Couple you get feet. down. Yep. And then uh, he had described it, but how he described it, he kind of left out a few little quicks and turns. He made it sound like we're just going to go through this hole, and then there's going to be the sand bottom room, and then they're going to do a light show. Well, there was a few more than one or two quicks and turns to get to it. And luckily it said sand bottom, because that was the only spot where I saw sand in that cavern was where he had a stop. Right. And and we're not going to describe the light show. If you want to do the light show, uh, send us a message and we'll tell you who to book with so you can see it. We don't want to ruin the surprise if you happen to go through it. But it was much better than I anticipated. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it, it was definitely worth it. It, it, was, it was an excellent dive. They did... Uh, you know the dive master was great. You know which, you know we're kind of spoiled. It's it, it's kind of it's kind of nice not having somebody kind of baby you. You know when, when you're going with some kids and not kids, I call them kids, but when you're going to, with students, right? Yeah, that dive master has a lot of responsibility because he's he's taking on with them, and and we're used to more taxi service in the Great Lakes where sure. you know we're, we're just getting out to something, somebody kind of does a little pre briefing and boom, in we go. And so to have somebody who's mother heading over you on every little bit. Is a, is a little bit different experience. And then I got buddied up with another diver who I who I didn't know. I mean, I, I was more than happy with us being three and them being three, but I didn't want to go against their training. So right. I, I was I was okay with it. Uh, then after the light show, we got to swim around the cavern, see different things. There's some there's some objects in there which uh, you'll get to get a chance to see. Uh, and then there was some like we we saw some crabs. You know, some of the, some of the fish you would see. Yeah, it was it was really neat. Uh, on the outside, there is a. Uh um, a, uh, a plaque actually that's been placed with a, a manatee. Um, if you don't know, again, uh, King Spring and, and King Harbor, um, very a great spot for the manatee to come up and, and enjoy some of the warmer water. Um, and it's an important part of uh, the ecology down here as well as the economy. Um, so there was a plaque placed at the bottom uh, near this cavern entrance uh, for the manatee, and kind of neat to sit there and, and reflect on that, especially. Uh, insightful to sit there you know it's, it's pitch black you look up you can see a moon um, shining sort of on the surface and you're reading this plaque with your your dive light kind of neat chase some crabs around uh, on the bottom um, some fish it was all in all just a really a good dive turned out to be much better than I expected yeah it was excellent yeah I, I would that would be another one I would do again yes yeah I mean and not a huge all-involved dive uh, you know, and 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 pretty much a dive shop says if you can get three, was it three divers is their minimum? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can get three divers together, they'll go ahead and go out. So, yeah. it's worth it. And that was uh, that wrapped up our our diving experience for the week. Yep, yep. After that, just letting everything dry out so we could pack it and head head for the long drive home. Mm-hmm. And when is that long drive home? Tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. So we'll be driving. I'll be safe. Thank you. We'll be driving Friday and into Saturday. Yep. And then hopefully get some some sleep before Easter. Yeah, no doubt. Well, good. You'll be, be home to go diving with us on Sunday. We, really? You're diving Sunday? Uh, possibly, if we can get enough people together. <laughs> Bubba Cousteau's coming up from Maryland. So oh, excellent. I need to get in. 
Yeah, I, uh, I yeah, I don't, I don't know. Off to that will be a tough one to to swing with on Easter Sunday. But the uh, well, are we you know, expecting? Maybe, maybe we'll get out in the afternoon. So see what it, see what you get going. Okay. Are we expecting any more freezes uh, coming up at home? Mm, possibly at night. Yeah, I, I got a, a warning in my email, which is you know, as I'm sitting here sweating in a uh, screen room in Florida, uh, which was saying that there was a chance for a hard freeze tonight. Yeah, it's uh, not the kind of weather where you want to put your outboard or your inboard in the water yet. Yeah, that's what I'm. Thinking. Not unless you can, not unless you can put it inside and keep it heated. Uh, yeah. in the garage at night or something. Not an option. Those outboard guys have got it made. Yeah, they do. Yeah, but we're not. We're not. We can't be too far from it. I, I'm. Yeah, as much as I love this Florida diving, I'm chomping at the bit to get back in the big lake and, you know, even the Havana. I want. Yeah, you know, we'll dive the Havana. We'll dive Max Wreck. Yeah, but dive some dives out of. Uh, out of St. Joe? No. I'm ready. I've just got to get the shoulder squared away. Looking forward to it. So uh, we'll uh, look for some posts. I've got last week's show notes I didn't get posted because as soon as when I normally do them, I was traveling down here to Florida. And then it's probably going to take me probably till Monday or Tuesday to get this show notes up. So we're going to be a little bit behind. But go ahead and follow us on Facebook. You can go to facebook.com forward slash scuba obsessed. Tell your friends. Get them to listen to the program. You can also follow us on Twitter, uh, at Scuba Obsessed. I'm also at Darren Jilson, and Jim is at Jake Kleeman, J-K-L-I-E-M-A-N-N. And uh, you can follow us there. We're also on the Google+. Plus. Um, not that I figured that one out yet, but uh, well, I, I still try. <laughs> <laughs> it, it has some promise. I just don't just don't know how well it's going to do. So that only leaves one thing. Do you, you got anything to plug, Mac or Jim? Other than the museum item uh, next Thursday. Uh, next Thursday, okay. And once no, you, just make friends, make friends with local fishermen, and uh, try to get them to give you some numbers. Excellent, excellent. So I uh, appreciate everybody's in the chat room. For some reason, TalkShoe Chat's been acting up. I've had to reset it a few times. So they're they're talking away in their own conversation. Thank you, Dave, and we have Lynch Diver and John and Trompy and Lisa was in there for a while. Chris Horn. Uh, gosh, there's there's too much. I've only mentioned about half of them, and uh, just we love we appreciate you coming in there and listening. Also, go ahead. If you want to send us an email, you can email us at the show at scubaobsessed.com. Let us know what you want. Uh, next week will be a regular episode, and uh, we'll also start doing some of the recommendations. We'll have to come up with some topics, so watch uh, Facebook and, and keep it coming. You know what? Sounds like it's about that time. It does. So everybody hold on. And this one's all the way from Florida, so I don't know. Is that you know all the electrons have to travel all the way from there back to the home base and then, then out, so... Well, I wonder what kind of effect this has. So here we go. The scuba diver went to a fancy, large, all-inclusive resort. Asked hotel's clerk about the time of meals. Breakfast is served from 7 to 11, dinner from 12 to 3, supper from 6 to 8, explained the clerk. Look here, inquired the diver in surprise. That's not going to leave much opportunity for diving. See? There are no crickets here. Otherwise, you'd hear them. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> Yeah, it's like, are we still connected? Hello. You no. Give me that one again. You want you want you want to hear it again? Yeah, let, let, let's hear that one again. We've had, it's a request. For I, an I don't think we've ever had an encore. Is that like a standing ovation? It is. So here it is. A scuba diver went to a fancy, large, all-inclusive resort. Asked hotel's clerk about the time of meals. Breakfast is served from seven to eleven. Dinner from twelve to three, and supper from six to eight. Explained the clerk. Look here. Inquired the diver in surprise. That's not going to leave much opportunity for diving. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think it got any better the second time around. No, it's 
that would truly was a bad Scooby Doo. Yeah, yeah, that that one qualified. You know, I, I was thinking maybe I missed the third line that was the punchline, <laughs> but I guess not. No, no, don't underestimate okay. yourself. Maybe it's a little cerebral. Okay. okay. So until next time, go out there and get wet. And dive safe, absolutely. Matt, you there? Yeah, but I already heard somebody say dive safe. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No problem. You can never be too safe. No, you're right. You're right about that. And remember, no Asian zombie glands were harmed in the making of tonight's show. And reanimated zombie clams. I think that's the name of the episode. Zombie killer zombie clams. Killer zombie clams. I made the whole night right there. <laughs> and I know everybody's being safe because they're they're wearing rubber gear. <laughs> oh.